Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alindavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free welcome to kindred where we believe that when we recognize our interconnectedness with one another we are able to achieve higher levels of wellness for ourselves and our communities in this podcast we explore the question of mental wellness and share the help we have received It is through this sharing that we hope to inspire others to experience their own wellness. Today, today we are meeting with Hayden Albrandt, who is certified in Synergetic Play Therapies. He treats young children between the ages of 3 and 12 years old. Hayden, I'm really excited to have you today because, you know, I see a lot of therapists all the time. That's how we met on the North Carolina Private Practice Clinicians Networking Call, Um, and of so many different therapists that I meet with, so many have decided that they're not going to see kids anymore. And you're out there working with this very young and specific group that many people are not treating the ages of three and 12 years old. Will you tell us more about your experience and your choice to treat those young kids? Yeah, for sure. And and thanks for having me on. Um, So I never really thought I'd end up here. I actually thought when I started going into counseling, Um, My plan was kind of to work as a high school school counselor. Um, Just the way the world ended up kind of working, I ended up working in elementary school for my internship and ended up kind of just staying there. Um, Even with that, never thought I'd be in like play therapy, like I just wasn't really on my radar. Um, I actually ended up in synergetic play therapy through a grant that our school had um, in which they were utilizing kind of the tenants of synergetic play therapy to create like a a trauma-informed school. Um, and so within that, they've, they've grown into a whole new thing. Um, so that's a whole new, the Synergetic Education Institute. Um, but when we were doing it, it was just kind of like the beginning. We were testing some of these things out and trying it all on. And so one of the ways that they, as the school counselor in that school, they wanted me to do a, a training in synergetic play therapy um, so that I kind of had a better understanding of what it looked like. So I could bring some of those things to how I was going to create that trauma-informed environment in our school. Um, so so you just said a lot of different things and I just want to make sure for our listeners that we have like just kind of a breakdown of what all of that means because you said all right well they wanted to create this trauma-informed school right so like what does that mean to be a trauma-informed school yeah I mean so I think at the time it really seemed like it was a a buzzword right um we hear a lot of oh trauma-informed schools Um, with ours, essentially we were a really high, like we had a very high population of kids who had experienced trauma at our school. Um, we were a very low income school. 
And, and so with that, we were really working on how do we respond to behaviors from a lens of compassion, um, from a lens of responding to support the kid and to help them learn how to regulate themselves, how to not be overwhelmed by whatever was going on so that they weren't having these really high um, level behaviors as a form of expression of what was going on for them. Um, so, so essentially that was really what we were working towards was creating a school environment where we responded to whatever was coming up with the kid from a place of compassion and, and um, an understanding of like these kids, a lot of them had things going on in their lives that a lot of us had never luckily had to experience. Um, and, and so utilizing these skills to help create school as a place where we're going to help you get through it. We're going to help you. Um, we're going to be with you in it versus we're going to discipline you or we're going to punish you for having this expression of what's going on. Well, that's sort of a different frame of thought from some um, school systems. Sometimes people are thinking, oh, well, we need to have more strict rules, regulations, um, and things need to be more consistent across the board. Um, and it sounds like what you're talking about may be different from that. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was different. And I, I think there's, I mean, even just, I wouldn't say necessarily at our school, but just people I talked to, there was a lot of that, right, of that old school mentality of like, oh, if you just discipline them, they're not going to do this anymore. And I think where I really, the growth I had and, and where I really got on board with this model was knowing what was going on in the background for these kids, one, but then also two, knowing and seeing why these behaviors were happening. So that idea of like the behavior being a form of communication, um, right? A lot of times when we're so overwhelmed, and I think this is what a lot of a lot of people that work in schools, right? They have so much going on and so many responsibilities and, and so many kids in the classroom, all those things. And so this behavior is just in frustrating. Um, and being in the space where I was coming in and working with that kid kind of from a completely different lens allowed me the space to really explore, okay, like this behavior is coming from this dysregulation. Like the, the kid is in fight or flight right now. They're right there. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into more of this later, but synergetic play therapy, so much of it comes from nervous system activation kind of tied in with the neuroscience. And so recognizing and having that knowledge to bring it all together to say this behavior right now, like whatever was going on, the kid who was running out of the classroom or the kid who was angry or aggressive, like this behavior is coming from a place of they're in fight or flight. Um, and then having the background knowledge of what was maybe going on outside of school for that kid, it made sense that they were in fight or flight. Um, so I, I think for me, like just that compassion of like, I want to help you as an elementary school kid, especially, I want to help you get through this. I want to help you learn how to process it and not just try to punish it out of you. Yeah. Why do you think that that like processing, why do you think that that's so much more important to the growth and development to the child than just like a well step in line like you have to conform to the rules if you don't conform to the rules then like you know like there's going to be consequences and and um there's going to be like this ongoing process of like punishment well i, th I think i kind of had two thoughts come to mind with that one was that i frequently saw especially with the kids who had the highest levels of expression of these um behaviors essentially frequently that would turn into a power struggle with the teacher right because the teacher was i'm just going to squash this i'm gonna like that that idea 
And a lot of times that was just them becoming activated because the kid was so activated. Um, and, and what I would see come out of that a lot of times was a power struggle. And I very much came to believe from that experience that like you will 99% of the time lose a power struggle with the kid, um, especially in those moments when they're dysregulated, they don't have anything to lose, right? You can take away their recess, but they don't care in that moment. They're like, they're too overwhelmed. They're too flooded to care the, about recess that day. It doesn't matter. Um, especially when what's going on at home maybe, or what's going on uh, outside of school is a much bigger deal than recess. Um, so that, that was kind of one thing, those power struggles that came out of it, I saw. And so stepping into that idea of connecting to them instead, instead of trying to um, take the power away from them to try to connect to them and say, hey, let's figure out how to get through this together. Um, the other piece that kind of came to mind there was, I really honestly believe in the idea of the kid like if we don't do something about what is coming up for us, like if we push it down, we try to avoid it, it's going to start to bleed out in other ways. Um, it's going to start to boil up and eventually it's going to get so big that it's going to come out somehow. Um, and so I think there's a lot of that where we hold it in, we hold it in, we hold it in. And, and especially in little ones, right? Like they don't have maybe as much capacity to hold it all in. And so it, it's going to come out in some way. Um so, so yeah, I think those are kind of my two thoughts to that. There, there's a lot in all of that. And I just keep thinking about how like what you're doing is so important because the way that we grow and we develop, it's like, um, you know, like rings, like we grow, we grow almost like rings on a tree, like we grow outward. And the more um, challenges that we have when we're younger, those things just sort of continue to have a ripple effect in our lives later on. And so the younger that you can work with someone, the better it is. And yet our system is set up in such a way that younger kids have the least representation in the counseling field. Um, and, you know, I'm also thinking about how, um, like, how everybody really should know about the nervous system and how to regulate themselves and why it's important to do so for the sake of our relationships with one another and our, and overall our productivity and success really. Yeah, most definitely. And I think our relationship with ourselves, right. Um, Lisa Dion is the person that created synergetic play therapy and, and it's a newer form of play therapy. So she still is very much involved in all of the training and everything. Um, and she talks about um, attachment to self is the cornerstone of all healing. And so that idea, right. Of like our relationship with ourselves, if we're able to connect to ourselves and regulate ourselves, like that is going to allow us to do everything else. Like you just said, right. The productivity, all those things. And so from the school lens, that idea of like, if, if we want the kid to be back in the classroom, um, we need to help them learn how to regulate themselves so they can stay in the classroom versus send them out of the classroom, maybe send them to the principal's office or send them home or whatever it is, right? Um, it's it's that different approach of let's help give them a skill so that they're able to be in the classroom with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to hear more about what that looks like, like what those skills look like and how do you deliver those um, in terms of the work that you do? Yeah. Um, so the skills, I mean, I, I really believe regulation can be so many different things, um, kind of all encompassing. Um, so within that, I, the way that I tend to look at it, and uh, I mean, all credit back to synergetic play therapy with this, um, is we really have to be consciously aware of what's going on inside our own bodies. 
Um, and so I talk a lot with the parents I work with about our interoceptive sense or our sense of interoception. And essentially the way I had that described to me was that being the, how do you know sense? And so the example I frequently give parents I'm working with is how do you know you need to go to the bathroom? Like you feel things in your body that are telling you it's time to go to the bathroom. And so it's going to be that same idea with what's coming up in our body, right? How do you know you feel angry? What are you, are you clenching your fists? Are you getting hot? Um, whatever it might be that your body is sending you those signals to tell you, Hey, something's going on. So then essentially the idea being when our body's sending us those signals, what do you intuitively want to do to, uh, to take care of that symptom? Um, so when you're clenching your fist, maybe it's, you're shaking your hands, you're shaking it out. Um, maybe your chest is getting really tight. Maybe it's taking a deep breath in that instance. Um, so it's really working through the play um, to help the kids recognize that interoceptive sense to help them check in with their own body and recognize how they're feeling, what they're feeling within their body, and then how would you take care of that? Um, one of the other pieces that I would just kind of add with that is it very much is like a bottom-up process. So instead of the idea of I'm going to teach you how to do it, I'm going to talk to you about it, um, what just came to mind as I was saying that was working in an elementary school the number of times that I heard a kid say, oh, breathing doesn't work for me. Like deep breaths don't help me calm down because I'm trying to appeal to the higher parts of their brain and they're, they're not in their higher parts of their brain at that point and they're dysregulated. Um, and so doing it from a lens of that bottom up approach, like doing it just naturally with them and maybe rather than telling them how to do it, tell, like telling and modeling for them, like, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now and this is how I'm going to take care of myself. Um, so some of those pieces of, bringing some of that into the play of, uh, like I heard you talk about in the intro for the show, just being in relationship and being authentic and saying to the kid amidst the play, like, hey, I'm, I need to um, take care of this activation in my body and allowing, showing them that it's okay for me to do that, to then give them the space to say, hey, it's okay for you to take care of yourself as well. Yeah. I keep hearing you talk about this, like, activation in your body. And I think about, like, um, like, it like a scratch to like having to scratch an itch, right? I've talked about that before with kids about like the urges that we feel in our body. Is that sort of what you're talking about is how like you have it, you have an experience, maybe it's emotional or um, somewhat internal um, or whatever the feeling is and learning how to respond to that appropriately. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think when we're talking about kind of like a lot of the reasons that people would end up seeking out therapy, right? Is because you're seeing your kid express these symptoms, however it's coming out, aggression, anger, defiance, whatever it might be, they're expressing these symptoms of dysregulation in their body. And so essentially it's, I mean, the way I kind of think of it is like those expressions are an attempt at them to regulate. Um, it's an attempt for them to say, I'm feeling this discomfort, I'm feeling whatever it is in my body and I'm trying to get it out. Um, they maybe just don't know how to do it. Um, so kind of that skills-based piece of it of like, let's help fill their, their toolbox with ways that are going to actually help them regulate versus, um, I guess, a backpedal there because it might help them regulate to be aggressive. And let's let's find ways to help you regulate that are maybe more, a little bit more adaptive or a little bit more socially acceptable. Yeah. So what are some of those things that you might do or um, like suggest or how do, how would you because I find that a lot that I, I work with parents who are like my kids, you know, I don't know how to handle their behavior. They're very aggressive. They're not um, 
you're not, they're not staying in the home or they're not listening at certain times. Like what are the, um, what are the pieces of advice that you have or, you know, what are some of the skills that you might pass on? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, obviously I think a huge piece of it comes out of like the therapeutic work in the playroom. And I also really prioritize in my practice because um, kind of some of the way that I was brought up, the supervisors I had, um, I really prioritize making time to communicate with parents. Um, so talking kind of check-ins, consultations, coaching with parents are all kind of a priority I make so that I can help give them some of those tools. Um, so for example, I mean, it really, I think is really on a case by case basis. And a lot of times I tell parents like, Hey, you, you know, your kid, right? Like, you know, maybe what is going to work for them in the moment. And so it's throwing out some ideas for them to help them think about, okay, like in this instance, maybe what is the behavior trying to communicate? And then how can we support that? Um, so, I mean, obviously some examples that are coming to mind are like those ones that we all hear about, like, like if the kid is trying to have control over everything, right? Like how can we find ways to give them some control in their life, but also expanding it beyond just like, I'm giving you a list of choices. Like how can we maybe be a little more creative about it? So you can, you feel like you can find a way that works for you. So maybe it's, you're giving some choices. Maybe it's um, one that I've told parents before is maybe you're just straight up asking them like, Hey, uh, like, for example, like, I hear you really want to keep watching TV and it's bedtime. So like how much longer do you need to watch TV before bed? And it doesn't have to be that you give in to anything they say, right? So it could be, oh, I need two more hours. All right, well, I understand that and bedtime is right now. So what if we compromise and talk about maybe two more minutes? Um, so kind of bringing in the modeling and all these things we're doing, taking some of those pieces of, hey, here's the, the way you can try to offer some of those things for your kid. Well, at the same time, recognizing like you do still get to set the boundary, um, create what the answer is, and how do you help them feel like they may be collaborated in that decision-making? Um, so that's just like one example, right, with uh, a kid trying to take control over everything is how can we how can we give them a little bit of control maybe in a way that works for both of you? Yeah, what do you, what do you say when parents say things like, well, um, it just makes me so mad when that happens? Um, or like maybe something like... Um, maybe even more than that, like they, they need my anger to change. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I, <laughs> I, I kind of tell parents in a lot of our intake sessions is everybody's heard of that phrase, like hurt people, hurt people. And I have kind of shifted when I'm talking to parents of dysregulated people, dysregulate people. So like when your kid is activated, when your kid is whatever the dysregulation is, it is really, really easy for that to activate us, right? It's our, our, if you think about it, think about the times when you're interacting with your kid frequently when they're escalating, it probably causes some escalation in you. Um, so I, I think that would be some of my response to that is that recognition of like, yeah, as your kid is, is escalating, like you're escalating right there along with them. Right. So it's stepping in and recognizing in that moment, okay, I'm starting to disconnect from myself. I'm starting to lose myself. And, and I think there's the piece within that of, I mean, I can say firsthand for myself, I'm not my best parent when I'm escalating. So when I'm able to step in and help bring my nervous system down a little bit, maybe take some breaths, whatever it might be, I'm then able to step into it from a more rational place and maybe uh, a better way for myself that I want to handle the situation. So, so I think that's a big piece of it. As far as kind of that second piece of the question about um, they need my anger, uh, I, I think that idea of... I said something earlier about the idea that 
when we don't take care of something, right, it's going to, the kids, it's going to get bigger until it eventually comes out. And I very much believe in that same idea as a play therapist. Like when we don't understand how the kid is feeling, they are going to make us understand. And mm -hmm. so if, if they're getting angry or they're escalating and I'm just pretending to be calm. And I think that's the key piece. I'm pretending to be calm because I'm probably getting dysregulated as well. But I think that's sending the signal to them of you're not getting it. So I'm, I'm, I need to get bigger for you to get it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so sometimes that escalation with them can be that piece of, okay, you get it now. Um, I think there's a lot of nuance to that, right? Because I'm not saying, oh, you need to get really big and angry for your kid. Like there's a lot of nuance and pieces that go with it. And that would be maybe my answer to that though, is like, maybe that's why the getting big is working is because your kid is like, oh, I got you really angry now. So you understand how angry I feel. Mm, so it's actually making them feel more connected when they're able to have mm. that anger met. Exactly. I, I feel like that is a beautiful way to put it. Um, I think that piece of connection is is at the heart of kind of all of it is the kid feels connected to you in that moment because you understand how they're feeling. Yeah. So so one of the things I think that I ran into when I was going through some trainings that are similar to your own um, was about how if somebody is really upset and they're activated, trying to calm them from your own place of calmness. Um, that's important, but to try to expect them to get to your level without first going to their level um, is, is like you're, you're, they're, they're not going to feel connected and they're just going to continue to escalate until you're able to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And as, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about like, there's so much of the science that goes behind this, right? Like there's so much of the activation, the, the neuroscience that's telling us kind of why this is the case. And so obviously that's a much bigger conversation and, and ultimately, yes, right? Like if you're extremely dysregulated, if you're not um, attached to yourself in that moment, then that's a very different stance than, Hey, I'm, I'm in control of myself right now. I'm not overwhelmed by this anger. And like, I, I get how angry you are right now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And what that can actually look like, because I know that we're getting low on time and my thought is like, let's just share what this really looks like. It can actually look like, um, like almost like yelling with a kid, but in a, but like almost like sometimes turning it into a song or like even like jumping up and down with them. Right. Exactly. Like I, stamping your feet with them. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I, try my best to do constantly in my own role as a parent, as a play therapist, whatever is be playful. I mean, like kids love to play. That's why play therapy is such a thing. Like play is such a natural piece of childhood. And so if we can be playful with them, that brings connection in of itself, right? Like if I'm stomping my feet with you and I'm, I'm like showing like, oh, I get that you're angry and like, I, I can have fun within it. I can be playful. That That's very different than, I'm angry, so I'm just going to start yelling and screaming now. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden, that was a really great note to end on. Um, how can our listeners learn more about you and the play therapy that you provide? Yeah, so um, I they can find my stuff on, I have a website for Low Tide Play Therapy. Um, so it's just lowtideplaytherapy.com. Um, and I am trying to do a lot on uh, Instagram as kind of my social media of choice right now. So it's uh, at low tide play therapy on Instagram. Um, 
And then I also, as I mentioned, I, I try to work a lot with parents. And so I'm working on kind of building up some uh, parent coaching that's a lot more educational versus therapy services or therapy related. Um, and that is going to be, um, it's a play on my last name. So it's all AHL Parenting Wellness. Um, and that's on Instagram as well. So at all.parenting.wellness. That's awesome. Thank you for providing those services. Um, I think it's so needed right now. And um, I'm really appreciative of what you're doing and being a colleague. Um, and yeah, so thanks for joining today, Hayden. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was great to talk to you. Yeah. So for the listeners who um, want to know more about this show and learning more about this platform, Biz Radio, you can check out bizradio.us. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.